The Politocrat is brought to you by the great people at Anchor. Anchor is such a great place to go if you want to get started in podcasting. And it's easy and it's free. Anchor, marvelous stuff, marvelous. And I'm so grateful to the folks at Anchor for getting me going with The Politocrat. If you want to get going and be heard on Apple, on Spotify and everywhere podcasts can be, Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to another edition of The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore, and it is Tuesday, April the 7th, 2020. That was Aretha Franklin, the Queen of Soul, with Who's Zoomin' Who. I'm going to talk about Zoom, speaking of Zooming. In just a few moments, before getting really to the main points today, and that's going to be about compassion. And we need compassion more than ever before. So I want to just get to a few things first, some headlines and comments on them. I hope that you, by the way, are in good health and you are well. These times are challenging for all of us in different ways, in different forms. And every day we try to be better and try to get better. And to those of you out there who are suffering with this virus or any other health situation or complication. To any of you out there who have lost loved ones to any health situation and of course, including this virus, I send to you my deepest condolences and also my prayers as well for your strength, for your courage, and for your health, mental and physical. Just a few news pieces and notes, news items. Boris Johnson, the UK Prime Minister, as you know by now, was admitted to intensive care yesterday in London at the St. Thomas Hospital, one of the best places in the world that you'd want to go for care at all. So Boris Johnson now today, on Tuesday here, is reportedly, according to his spokesman, 
in stable condition. That's a really good thing to hear. In stable condition and in good spirits. Apparently did have aid of oxygen, getting oxygen therapy, according to his spokesman. And is not on a ventilator. And also does not have pneumonia. So all good news there from number 10 Downing Street and for Boris Johnson. I was really, I was speculating on Twitter at the popcorn R-E-E-L. And, and speculation is never really that good, is it? It, it? it only fuels fear, I think, quite frankly, in a lot of instances, but it can fuel fear. But I was thinking that, you know, maybe Boris Johnson has pneumonia. Thankfully, according to his spokesman, at least he does not and is not on a respirator or a ventilator because that's really important. The ventilator situation, that's very important. So thankfully, um, Boris Johnson, at least right now, seems to be doing well. And I hope for his continued recovery as I do Carrie Simmons, his fiance. Now, Carrie Simmons, as I've said um, before, and as people know, is pregnant and is due to give birth in the not too distant future. And she, I had actually said that she has coronavirus. Well, that's not exactly entirely true. She has symptoms of it. She has not been tested. So I do want to throw out that correction, an important one, because there is a difference. So, But she does have coronavirus symptoms. She is self-isolating. So that's the thing, you know, that's what's going on there um, with the two of them. I've not heard about her condition, though, beyond uh, what I've just told you. I do not know uh, how she's faring. I think that Downing Street's keeping a pretty tight lid on that, or at least I have not seen anywhere uh, anything about her condition. So there you go with that information. Today is World Health Day. World Health Day all over the globe. And, you know, we're dealing with a pandemic, as I have said, and as you obviously know. And what better way to celebrate World Health Day than for Wisconsin to send voters out to vote in person, in the midst of a pandemic. I mean, you couldn't write a script like that. Because if you did, Hollywood would throw it into the garbage can. You can thank the Republican state legislature for doing this. The Democratic governor of Wisconsin yesterday devised and executed an executive order which prevented a primary from being held today and also pushed the primary date back to June 9th. Vote by mail was the situation. But not to be outdone, the Republican legislature appealed that executive order. I didn't know you could actually do that. So I did not, I mean, I didn't know that. They appealed the executive order. They took it to the Wisconsin Supreme Court. And the Wisconsin Supreme Court said, absolutely, correct to Mundo. You should hold 
and an in-person election in the midst of a pandemic that is taking lives all over this planet and in Wisconsin taking lives as well. I just really do not understand the mentality of anybody, regardless of political party, who would send voters out to vote in person in a pandemic. Now, I think that is downright insane. It's dangerous. It's reckless. It's irresponsible. And it means that Republican legislators in the state of Wisconsin have blood on their hands. There's just no other way to put that. The state of Wisconsin has had 85 deaths so far. And I try to stay away from numbers, but these numbers are hard to ignore when you've got Right now, about 370,000. And by the time I've finished recording this edition, we could have something close to 400,000 people infected with coronavirus in the United States. But as it stands, as I speak to you at this moment, as I record this, we are close now, just over 369,000 people. That is according to Johns Hopkins website, which has been immensely helpful. I try not to look at these numbers every day. I try to look at them every two or three days now. Because behind those numbers, especially in New York, especially in these states where the rates of death are over a thousand and in New York, now over 5,000. I mean, New York, the bulk of deaths are coming out of New York. I try not to look at these numbers because there are faces and people behind them. So, I, you know, I'm mindful of just how important it is to put faces to numbers, to put people behind numbers, to, to put stories behind those numbers. And I think the numbers don't tell the true story. I think these numbers are really behind what they really are, quite frankly. In Wisconsin, 2,511 people are infected with this virus. 85 have died, and you are now, as I speak, having voters in Wisconsin vote. Because the Republican state legislature wants to drive down voter turnout. This is part of voter suppression. That's all this is. It is also dangerous and deadly. It is also sociopathic and psychopathic. It is also tantamount to murder. Why would anybody willfully send voters into an environment where there is a highly contagious and deadly virus? I want to just read a portion of something to you here. 
This is from the Associated Press. It is dated April the 7th, 2020 by Scott Barrett and Steve Peoples. The headline, Pandemic Politics, Wisconsin Voting Underway Despite Virus. And there is a photo of, and it's in, in this shot is in what looks like a predominantly white neighborhood or town, at least this one precinct, uh, the Janesville Mall in Janesville, Wisconsin. Now, if you know anything about Janesville, um, and I don't know very much about Janesville, maybe, maybe someone listening does, but Janesville is home to Paul Ryan. And Paul Ryan, if you remember him, was the Republican Speaker of the House. And Paul Ryan had stepped down from office. He declined to run again. Because the handwriting was on the wall for him. And now Nancy Pelosi is back in the Speaker's chair. But I just want to just read this, a portion of this story to you from the Associated Press. And again, you'll see this. You, you can go look for this. And the title again is Pandemic Politics, Wisconsin Voting Underway Despite Virus. And you will see that the people in this photo, most of them have masks on. Madison, Wisconsin is the date is the dateline. Voters lined up to cast ballots across Wisconsin on Tuesday, ignoring a stay at home order. Now, wait a minute. This is me talking now, not the article I'm reading from. The governor is a Democratic governor. He has a stay at home order. And. Governor Tony Evers, Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers, he had issued this order he had a state he had a stay at home order yesterday he had an executive order canceling the primary and moving it to June the ninth. Republicans in the state said, "No, no, no, you've got to have this election." We want to drive down turnout. We are auditioning for November. We're going to the Wisconsin Supreme Court. And the Wisconsin Supreme Court said, yeah, okay, hang about. You got a point there, Republicans. Boom. Get to voting. So that is the madness on World Health Day. Here's here's a portion of the article. Voters lined up to cast ballots across Wisconsin on Tuesday, ignoring a stay-at-home order in the midst of a pandemic to participate in the state's presidential primary election. The lines were particularly long in Milwaukee, the state's largest city and a Democratic stronghold, where just five of 180 traditional polling places were open. Many voters across the state did not have facial coverings, in line with public health recommendations. The National Guard and some Republican officials who resisted efforts to postpone the election were forced to help run voting sites after thousands of election workers stepped down, 
fearing for their safety. I'm going to stop right there. Because as I read this article, it just makes me angry. First of all, only five of the 180 traditional polling places in the state were open. In fact, I'm sorry, let me correct that. Only five of the traditional polling places in Milwaukee were open. In other words, 175 of the 180 traditional polling places in Milwaukee were closed. But go along, vote anyway. Come along. It's World Health Day. It's a pandemic. Vote anyway. This is fourth world. End of story. That's voter suppression, folks. That's voter suppression. Why are you having an election where only five places are open in one city, a traditionally large democratic stronghold, first of all? Voter suppression, when 175 of those polling places are closed out of 180, that's voter suppression. The Republicans have been doing this in states where they are controlling legislatures all over the country and during these primaries from start to finish in the Democratic primaries. That means that we have to vote these people out in these states that are doing this. This is not only a hindrance to democracy to force people to vote when they could die, but it is also indicative of the fact that people must mobilize and stop voting in Republican legislatures. And it emphasizes the importance of state and local elections, not just presidential elections. The state and local elections, elections are even more important, quite frankly. Some would disagree with that because of who we've got in the White House. So that's something to consider. I mean, number one, let's, we need to continue to educate people to voting in the best interest of yourself and others, which is really to not have Republican legislatures. Because now you are saying to us Republicans that you don't care about our lives. And that's not a shock. Republican senators, Republican politicians, Republican legislators, and other state and local officials who are Republicans generally do not care about your welfare, your well-being is not something they care about on World, on World Health Day or any other day. The lines were particularly long in Milwaukee. Oh, by the way, did I tell you that Milwaukee is a vastly African-American city, predominantly black city, at least 75% black, if not more? Did I tell you that Milwaukee, yeah, I did say that. I'll tell you again. Milwaukee is the state's largest city. Wisconsin's largest city is Milwaukee. 
the lines were particularly long. Many voters across the state did not have facial coverings in line with the public health recommendations. So what what I'm saying is, you have read between the lines, read with a third ear, read with a third ear here. The lines in Milwaukee were particularly long, so that's a lots of black people online, any, anyone, but in this case, black people online in long lines. They are probably not six feet apart. The article doesn't say anything about social distancing, at least not those first two paragraphs. So let's put this in real perspective. There are long lines in Milwaukee right now of predominantly black people. There's probably no social distancing being enforced six feet apart. People were not wearing facial coverings. Many voters were not across the state. And you have a pandemic going on right now. You have a virus spreading like wildfire. Right now. That is a recipe for disaster. That is a recipe for mass death. Just on this day alone. Wisconsin has 85 deaths so far. But I dare say that as a result of Republican state legislature's death wishes and death cultism, fueled and engineered at the top by Trump, we are going to have at least that many people probably perishing in the next few days because of Republican voter suppression and downright sociopathic behavior. The National Guard is being forced to help run voting sites in Milwaukee, in the whole state of Wisconsin. That is not the way it should be. That presents an intimidating atmosphere and environment for some people. Certainly for black people, it does. That is not the way this should be. These primaries today should not have gone forward. And quite frankly, Joe Biden's going to win this primary. But if you had vote by mail, I dare say it might be different. Bernie Sanders may have a chance. We need compassion. We need compassion. We do not need cruelty. And what we are seeing in Wisconsin and what we are seeing from Republicans all over the country and what we are seeing from Donald Trump is cruelty. What we are seeing from the 52 senators that acquitted Donald Trump in February of this year in that sham trial is indifference, is cowardice, and is cruelty. 
If those 52 senators removed Trump when they had the chance to back in February, there is a very good possibility that this pandemic and the effects of it could have been somewhat mitigated in terms of the number of people sick and the number of people who have now passed. And if you are in Wisconsin right now and you happen to be listening to this, please, please call up your local politicians, please, and urge them to stand up and speak out against this. And also make a pledge to vote in November and vote Democratic, honestly. Because Republicans are killing this country. And they are preserving any semblance of what is left of it for the billionaire class. As far as I am concerned. Some Republican officials are even helping to run these voting sites in these predominantly Democratic areas. Well, again, it's a state legislature and the state legislature is Republican. So you've got voter suppressing politicians from the Republican Party because that's the party of voter suppression overwhelmingly. Now, both parties have done it over the years, but the go-to party over the last maybe 30, 40 years for voter suppression, certainly over the last 20 years, at least, is the Republican Party. And they you, now we have Republican officials. They're going to be helping to run these voting sites. And of course, thousands of election workers are not going to work as poll workers. Most of the poll workers anywhere in the country, anywhere in the U.S., anywhere in this country are over the age of 60. And as we know, people who are older are, are definitely at a higher risk of contracting this virus and dying from it. Now, there are risk groups all over the place, and we know anybody can get this virus and die from it. We've seen two-month-olds, one-month-olds, eight-year-olds, teenagers, people who have no symptoms dying from it, people who have no pre-existing conditions dying from it at 21 years of age in the UK, for example. And thousands of poll workers said, "Uh uh-uh, I am not going to do this. And they get a certain amount of money per hour for, for being there, for being poll workers. And they decided that their health is much more important than money, is much more important than what would in ordinary circumstances be a democratic process. But there is no democratic process when you only have five traditional polling places open out of 180. Or again, put another way, there is no democratic process when there are 175 out of 180 precincts closed for voting. But you're still going to have a, a, pre, a voting primary in person. That's insane. I am just so, I'm just so steamed by that. I really am. This, this issue in Wisconsin is just... This is not the first time we've had this. We had primaries a few weeks ago when there was voting going on. Ohio canceled theirs. Their Republican governor canceled theirs and the Republican Party did not resist it. Surprise, surprise. 
But the Democratic governor in Wisconsin, oh no, we've got to challenge him. Mike DeWine has actually done something decent. Now, I don't agree with him on lots of things. But Mike DeWine was smart to cancel the primary when it happened a few weeks ago. And it's going to now happen in June. And I think he's also looked at in uh, vote, vote, vote by mail because they have vote by mail in Ohio. And I think every state will have to do this, especially now. And rather than force people to vote, walking to their death chambers. I mean, this is what it is. You want to talk about death panels, death panels, really. I mean, this is what the Republicans were screaming about back in 2008 when Obamacare was, or 2010 as well, when Obamacare was getting off the window, when, when the, the fight for Obamacare was beginning. And you had all this propaganda and nonsense from Chuck Grassley of Iowa, whose governor right now is telling people to go out and gather in groups of 10. Don't worry. Dr. Fauci, he doesn't have the information I have, said Governor Kim Reynolds. I don't care. And she's a Republican too. I don't care about what Fauci says. You know, he doesn't have the information that I have here on the ground. Never mind that he's had 50 years of studying viruses and how they interact with the general public and what they are about and what they do. I have information here on the ground that says that 10 people can congregate and not have anything to worry about. Fourth world country. Fourth world country. I'm going to repeat that. Fourth world country. 25 deaths in Iowa. 946 cases overall. Do you know that in the time that I've been talking to you, and that's what? Roughly half an hour. The number of cases in the U.S. of coronavirus has gone up 9,000. So in the last half hour, there are 9,000 more cases that have been revealed. 9,000 in half an hour. In the U.S., 9,000 additional cases of coronavirus infection. 9,000 more people in the last half hour have been affected, infected by coronavirus. Why do we do this in America? Why do we do this? 
It is flat out psychopathic. Stephanie Grisham, the White House press secretary, has stepped down, quit, resigned, whatever you want to call it, from her job as White House press secretary to become Melania Trump's chief of staff. Can I just say something about this, if you don't mind? Stephanie Grisham did not do a single White House press briefing. She was named the White House press secretary after Sarah Sanders was leaving the job herself. And she had been originally the communications chief for Melania Trump. And again, Stephanie Grisham was named White House press secretary last June. She did not do a single official White House press briefing. Not one. Not one. Donald Trump has done more press briefings than Stephanie Grisham did. And Stephanie Grisham is and was now the White House press secretary. She is the only one, to the best of my knowledge and memory, the only White House press secretary to have never given a press briefing during her tenure any tenure that lasts at least six months because there may have been some press secretary down the line who was named press secretary but for health reasons perhaps may have had to quit or whatever, something happened. So I can't account for that. But I can't account for anybody that's had that job for any appreciable period of time. This is the only person in the long line of White House press secretaries dating back, I think, to the late 70s or early 80s or so, when they started actually having official press secretaries. I think it's in that era somewhere, maybe a little bit further back than that. Because in the, in, in, in the past, it would always be the president that they would talk directly to, the reporters in the White House. And you still have that, of course, but you, over recent years, have had White House press secretaries to field a lot more of these questions while the president was doing more important business, quite frankly, more important things or business. That's not a good word to use. Although it is an apropos word when it comes to Trump, who to me is not a president at all. 
He is a court jester psychopath and a malignant narcissist. Can I just give you some more, uh, you know, negative energy today talking about someone who is destroying the country that you live in or the country that you are laughing at from afar or the country that you are despairing for from afar or the country that you are saying too bad, you deserve this. I mean, take your pick. I mean, I guess I am a little bit on a ranty side today. or Maybe I've been for quite some time. But I'm sorry, this is abominable. And what this is, is Trump again further destroying the administrative state. There are so many instances of this. It's something that I've said before that Steve Bannon, his racist partner in chief, has openly advocated in numerous interviews, in numerous writings, in numerous appearances. He was a member of the National Security Council. He sat in on those meetings. He had a pass. He was credentialed. He was part of that team. And as I've said before, the only reason he's no longer there is because Jared Kushner was not having it. He was not. Even Jared Kushner, a criminal such as Jared Kushner, said, no, we're not dealing, I'm not having Steve Bannon who hates Jewish people and is a flat out racist as well. I'm not having, I'm not having an anti-Semite, I'm not having a racist in here. And because Jared Kushner is the son-in-law to Donald Trump and also just FYI, Jared Kushner is Jewish. So that was not going to work for Jared Kushner to have some person who hates Jewish people and has openly talked about this. That's not going to really be good for Jared Kushner or quite frankly, it shouldn't be good for anybody to have a person that hates another group of people or hates a religion or hates, you know, another, you know whether it's Jewish, the, the Jewish religion or the Jewish faith or whether it is Muslims and Islam, or whether it's anybody else. There's no room for that. But there's plenty of room for that in the Trump White House. I've had it with these folks. I've absolutely had it with them. And we've got to make sure that this November, we vote in large numbers with our face masks on. Because I think it will, we'll still be talking about this pandemic in November and I think it will still be around quite frankly I think the best bet is to vote by mail and where there are democratically controlled legislatures in the state house that's what will happen now unfortunately the majority of states are controlled by Republican state legislatures and Republican governors so they probably will not be doing vote by mail Although Brian Kemp, of all people, the guy that claimed he did not know that asymptomatic people could spread coronavirus. Yeah, he knew. He recently uh, put into place vote by mail in Georgia. So I guess uh, even a, uh, broken, a broken clock, even a broken clock is right twice a day. 
So I've talked about how Trump has destroyed the administrative state and he's mocked it, literally mocked it by having Stephanie Gresham be named to a position and she never gave a single White House press briefing. Not once. Now that's not to say that she may not have been behind a press release or two since June. She may well have, I don't know. She may well have been behind that. She may have crafted them or she certainly may have ordered someone to do that at her behest. But she most certainly did not do what her most important function is, quite frankly, in my view. And that is to give the American public, the public in this country, information about what the heck is going on in that criminal cesspool called the Trump White House. And now she's going to be the chief of staff for Melania Trump. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Now, of course, earlier on, I played Aretha Franklin, the queen of soul. Who's Zooming who? Well, a message about that. Zoom is Zooming who. And Zoom is Zooming you. Because... They have been spying on Zoom users and especially now when everybody is at home or most people who can afford to be at home uh, or those who have homes and or have roofs over their head can be, afford to be home. Zoom is, you know, the, is the thing of choice for video conferencing and all things connectivity for millions of people. But Zoom has been spying, has had hackers come in and spy their software and their technology is so easily hackable. And you have people on teleconferences, business conferences, and you've got some hacker spying on them and using racist language or drawing penises on presentations that are going out to hundreds of people, thousands of people all over the country, all over the world. Here's an excerpt from an NPR story from April the 3rd, 2020. And this is from Shannon Bond. And this is also on NPR radio. But this is the article at npr.org. And I'm going to read just a portion of it. It's entitled, A Must for Millions. Zoom has a dark side and an FBI warning. Dennis Johnson fell victim last week to a new form of harassment known as Zoom bombing, in which intruders hijack video calls and post hate speech and offensive images such as pornography. It's a phenomenon so alarming that the FBI has issued a warning about using Zoom. Like many people these days, Johnson is doing a lot of things over the internet that he would normally do in person. Last week, he defended his doctoral dissertation in a Zoom video conference. He had a big audience. He estimated it was about 40 people, including, quote, my closest friends, family, and my classmates, and my dissertation committee, end quote, at California State University, Long Beach, he said. Johnson's the first member of his family to graduate from college, let alone get a doctorate. He wanted to share the moment with them. 
He said he was in the middle of presenting when someone started drawing male genitalia on the screen. At first, Johnson said he was not sure what was happening. Quote, I'm like, whoa, and then I freeze, and everyone who's watching the screen freezes, in quote, he said. It got worse. The attacker scrawled a racial slur that everyone on the Zoom call could see. Johnson was horrified. The organizers blocked everyone's screen until they could remove the intruder from the meeting. But, Johnson said, they were not able to identify that person. Although he was shaken, Johnson managed to finish his presentation, but what should have been a triumphant celebration was ruined. That is just a portion of that story from Shannon Bond. Headline, a must for millions, Zoom has a dark side and an FBI warning. You really should read that in full. And as a result, by the way, there have been schools since that story was published on April the 3rd, which would have been last Friday. Since then, there have been schools that have done uh, the right thing. This headline from April 6th, Anya Kamenetz, NPR. Title, Schools Ditch Zoom Amid Concerns Over Online Learning Security. School leaders in New York City, Washington, D.C., and Las Vegas have announced they're discontinuing their use of the Zoom video conferencing service for distance learning because of security, privacy, harassment, and other concerns. And individual schools in Los Angeles and elsewhere are also switching to alternatives like Microsoft Teams, Google Hangouts, and WebEx. That's from the first paragraph of the story, Schools Ditch Zoom Admit Concerns Over Online Learning Security. At NPR there, the story from Anya Kamenetz. should read that as well. I think it's a good idea. And I would recommend WebEx. It's run by Cisco. Now, you can go look at Cisco, research their company, whether you think they're good or not. But WebEx is something that is effective. It may cost something. It may be free of charge. But I know it's being used by the major news media, corporate news media, CNN is using it, promoting it heavily, using it. Um, they never failed to let you know that it's being done via WebEx, Cisco WebEx. And I'm repeating this. <laughs> I'm repeating their name, too. So there you go. Take that for what it's worth. And the video quality, by the way, is very, very good on Cisco WebEx. I can tell you that. And you can see it for yourself on television, on various networks, especially and particularly CNN. I would also advise people to look at FaceTime. Um, I know it's video conferencing may be more difficult to do FaceTime with, but I would try it. Certainly, I would use FaceTime for one-on-one -on -one interactions at this point. I would also look into Skype. I don't know if Skype does a lot of video conferencing. Maybe you can do that for a certain amount of users. I would recommend Skype as well. So those are my personal recommendations. One more story. 
this has really turned into headlines more than it has the topic of conversation, which is compassion. We need compassion. We need it more than ever. We've got too much cruelty on this planet. We've got too much of it. The Secret Service is spending money not to help alleviate anything, but they're helping to enable something. Here is Igor Derish from April the 3rd at salon.com. The headline, Secret Service signs $45,000 emergency order, in quotes, for golf carts at Trump Club amid pandemic report. Now, this is being taken, um, a lot of this from the Washington Post. The Secret Service signed a $45,000 emergency order to rent golf carts at President Donald Trump. Ooh, gosh, I mentioned that P word. Virginia Golf Club on Monday, according to the Washington Post. These, this is just crazy. The agency signed a contract which it described as an emergency order to rent 30 golf carts from a West Virginia registered company called Capital Golf Cars and Utility Vehicles from April 1st until the end of September, according to the report. The contract did not mention Trump, but it, quote, closely mirrors, end quote, previous contracts the agency signed before protecting Trump at his New Jersey and Florida golf resorts. Here's the key, though. Despite Ralph Northam's 70-day stay-at-home order, golf courses are allowed to stay open. <laughs> the Virginia governor, Ralph Northam, still in office over a year later, and I'm, you know the story with that, after what happened in January of last year, February of last year, he's still there. Here's the, here's the key. Trump has visited the Virginia Golf Club 76 times as president, according to the Post. He often goes there for day trips while using his other clubs for extended stays. Trump has spent more than 350 days at his properties since taking office, according to the outlet's count, which has cost taxpayers more than $620,000. So you and me and everyone we know in this country has financed 350 days. That's almost one full year of time at his properties. We're paying Trump to just lounge around and watch Fox News all day and play golf all day. And eat Cheetos all day. That, my friends, is what your hard-earned tax money is going toward. Financing a pig. Did I mention that it is World Health Day?
We need compassion. And we need it now more than ever. If you have a prime minister who yesterday was in a really bad way and still is in intensive care, despite the fact that he is now undergoing a stable condition, that's his um, present diagnosis, which I think is very good. But if you've got a prime minister of a country, a world leader in intensive care, and many of us who disagree with him and his policies, myself included, can still wish him and his family and Carrie Simmons in particular, who is pregnant, all the very best and wish him well and encourage him and, and hope that he can get better and fight this virus. Shouldn't we all just do that on a daily basis? Shouldn't we all have that grain of compassion, that nugget in our hearts that we know is what we are, which is compassionate beings. We all have that within us, the potential to express it is just not being unleashed. Compassion is so very important. We must have empathy. We have someone in the White House who lacks that. We must care, not just about ourselves, but about the person down the road from us, down the street from us, next door to us. And one thing that this pandemic, I think, will eventually teach us, if it hasn't already, is the need for compassion, the need for consideration, the need to care about our fellow man and woman, about our fellow person. We must have more humanity we must have more loving and caring and understanding and listening. We must have those things because that is the most important thing we must have. The engine of love must percolate, must hum, must vibrate, must beat within our hearts. It must. Because if we don't have that, we have nothing. Now more than ever before, we must become a more compassionate people, a more compassionate society, and a more compassionate world. Now and for always. I am of the strong belief that we can get to that place when this is all over with. This has been another edition of The Politocrat. Thanks for listening. I'm Omar Moore.